Uh, I have said several times I'm concluding, but let me conclude <laughs> with a little story that I like to give because I've talked about a lot of issues. I know you are very well informed and you probably think, what can we do? Um, I like to tell a story of a hummingbird. I don't know how many of you have heard me tell about the hummingbird, but I like to tell about the story of a hummingbird because quite often we feel overwhelmed. Uh, so this story of a hummingbird, which I learned from Japan, is the story of a forest that caught fire. And it was a huge fire. And it was raging. And all the animals came out of the forest and stood by the edge of the forest. And they were watching the fire. They were very overwhelmed. They were powerless. They felt like there was nothing they could do because the problem was too much for them except this little hummingbird. The hummingbird said, I'm going to do something about the fire. So it flew to the nearest stream, took a drop of water, and flew back and put it on the fire, ran back again, brought another drop of water, and put it on the fire. And it kept going as fast as it could, every time bringing a drop of water and putting it on the fire. In the meantime, all these animals are discouraging it, and are persuading it not to bother because it is too little. You have a beak is too little. You are bringing very little water. And some of the animals that are talking like that are the elephants with the big trunks, <laughs> which could bring much more water. But the hummingbird just kept doing what it knew best without wasting any time. And to stop them when they said, what do you think you are doing? And the hummingbird said, I'm doing the best I can. And for me, and I hope for you, that's all we can do. Whoever we are, wherever we are, there is something in our lives that we can do. No matter how small it is, collectively, it will make a difference. So be a hummingbird in your community, wherever you are. Thank you very much. Welcome to the Green Tech Podcast Series featuring Samantha Pfau. This series is an exploration in awareness and solutions using green technology to help heal our planet. This is Samantha Jewel Fow, environmental advocate and author of Be Decent Environmental Activism 2.0, coming to you with another episode of the Be Decent Green Tech Podcast. Uh, it's about toxins in your town. How bad is it? It's not great. So, most of us remember back in 2015. When lead was discovered in the municipal water system of Flint, Michigan, it was terrible. Um, it was also a terrible accident. It was actually an unintentional consequence of a simple decision to switch the water supply from one source to another that had slightly more corrosive fresh water. It just had a different pH balance in the water. 
uh, because the water was more acidic. It wasn't dangerous itself. Um, it actually just leached lead out of the city's pipes. A lot of American cities were built before uh, they knew that lead was bad for you. And so there are pipes in a lot of our freshwater plumbing infrastructure, but for the most part, uh, it's contained um, through monitoring and uh, and other safety precautions. But unfortunately, in Flint, Michigan, nobody knew that the more acidic drinking water was leaching lead from the city pipes until people started getting sick. Um, Within one year of the switch of water sources, uh, one in in 20 of the children in Flint who were screened were showing elevated levels of lead in their blood. This devastated the Flint community, and it also triggered public outrage across the nation. Um, It was terrible. It was a tragedy that was recognized on a national scale. But believe it or not, um, this isn't something that just happened in Flint in 2015. This sort of thing is happening all around us all of the time. It's really scary, the idea of lead poisoning, um, especially to parents. It's a risk that threatens children uh, more than the rest of us. But the truth is that in some parts of Baltimore, Cleveland, Philadelphia, Newark, New Jersey, lead poisoning is actually getting worse more quickly than it's being resolved. Um, This is creating an intergenerational environmental issue that is rippling across our social justice infrastructure as well, right? Um, Nearly all of the contamination that is poisoning people in these communities, which of course are predominantly low-income minority communities, comes from crumbling paint, um, you know, lead paint in old buildings. Um, Otherwise, it also comes from old plumbing and the improper disposal of industrial wastes. Um, Lead and other heavy metals are commonly used in industrial and mining activities. They're uh, a lead and other heavy. Lead and other heavy metals are commonly used and emitted or or polluted. Lead and other heavy metals are commonly used and spewed out from mines and commercial facilities. Um, and as a result, dangerous toxins are seeping into our air, our soil, and our drinking water from countless sources. Most of the lead specifically in our local communities is a result of the commercial use of this toxic substance. Um, This is particularly true uh, in, in our parents' generations. During the first half of the 20th century, lead was in almost everything. It was in paint. It was in plumbing. It was in gasoline. It was even in glassware to make crystal more fine. But because lead is a heavy metal, much like the mercury, 
much like the mercury that comes from coal mining or the arsenic that actually accumulates in the environment from disposed cigarette butts, right? You know, they all accumulate and eventually um, a lot of arsenic is deposited from all these tiny, tiny bits. It never goes away. Instead, it just builds up. Any human who breathes, eats, drinks, or touches traces of these substances, lead, mercury, arsenic, or any other nasty heavy metal like this, um, it's accumulating in their body. It never goes away. And eventually, this this can become physically disabling or even deadly. Just going back to the example of lead, the buildup of lead in the body can cause nerve disorders, heart and lung problems, infertility and sexual health issues, as well as general toxicity of every organ in the body. Of course, most concerning is the fact that lead causes significant developmental delays in children, including reduction of IQ, and stunted physical and intellectual development. Uh, many of these children never recover from the, the setbacks that they experience as a result of lead poisoning. Um, and it's, it's a tragedy, truly. But outside of, you know, Flint and Cleveland and Baltimore and Philadelphia and the other cities that we've talked about already, um, you know, how bad is the problem of toxic lead contamination? Um, it's really bad. One study performed after the 2015 Flint water crisis identified nearly 3,000 communities with lead poisoning rates that were way worse than what Flint ever saw, even at the height of the contamination crisis. It's a problem that affects small towns and urban communities alike. It's not just the crumbling infrastructure of our old cities. Um, it's also in the town of Warren, Pennsylvania, where 36% of the children tested showed high levels of lead in their blood. Um, it's also in the small community of Goat Island, Texas, where one out of every four children um, exhibited lead poisoning when they were tested. There is no cure for lead poisoning, nor is there any reliable way of even reducing the damage that it does to physical and intellectual development in children or, uh, you know, the physical or mental health of adults. So the problem is really bad. But again, you know, this is not a podcast just about problems. We talk about the problems because it's important to be aware and empowered to advocate on the issues um, that are threatening the environmental health of our communities. But this is fundamentally a discussion of solutions, realistic, tech-enabled environmental solutions that you and I can use for ourselves to make our communities, our families, and the world a healthier, happier, and safer place. And the truth is that grassroots movements facilitated by technology, digital technology, smartphones, and social media are solving local environmental challenges. Um, this is activism 2.0. Pick up your phone. Snap a picture, take a video, type, text, hashtag, share, engage, be present. 
whether you think about it or not, you probably have an audience of at least a few dozen people, maybe even hundreds, who care deeply about the environmental health and safety of your community. So get them involved. Sometimes it takes a lot of effort. It can even take years. But grassroots advocates have truly achieved great accomplishments. They have done a lot for environmental protection, and this has had impacts on both the local and global scales. This is just as true as the people living and protesting in the streets and neighborhoods of Flint, Michigan, as it is for the far reaches of our planet. And if you need an example to inspire, um, look no further than the La Poya movement founded and leaded by then the La Poya movement founded and led by Guatemalan glass by Guatemalan grassroots advocate Yolanda O'Kelly. When a local community in a small Central American community So O'Kelly was, uh, so O'Kelly is a woman who lives in a small local community in Guatemala. Um, They discovered that a nearby gold mine, uh, which is foreign owned, foreign operated, was contaminating their water supply and destroying the forest and environment with arsenic, right? Not lead, but another uh, toxic substance that is common in, you know, mining and commercial activity. In 2012, O'Kelly kicked off a protest that was more or less a sit-in. The community came together and they camped. uh, And even as they were threatened by the company and the police, um, you know, they continued to advocate for their environmental health and safety. They maintained their presence day and night at this camp for years through coordination that was achieved through obviously, you know, cell phones and interconnectivity and, and just encouraging the advocacy that's possible through communicating on this on these digital platforms. And uh, they fought all the way until 2016 when the Guatemalan Supreme Court finally suspended the operating license of the of the mining company, which um, was U.S. based, by the way. And it was um, not accommodating the environmental health and safety of the local community in which it was operating. And all this is possible just thanks to the power of grassroots advocacy, mobilized, organized, empowered through activism 2.0, right? The the connectivity that we all experience thanks to digital transformation. And for those of us who are interested in more advanced technologies, there are some pretty incredible opportunities to become empowered with decent tech, decentralized technology that's used for a pro-social, pro-planetary, pro-local application. For example, a nonprofit organization called Sustainability International has teamed has teamed up with an initiative called the Blockchain for Social Impact Coalition. Sounds like my kind of people, right? Decent people. They are using blockchain ledgers to track and trace actions that are taken pursuant to cleanup agreements, right? So in places like uh, you know, the, the Niger Delta and, uh, you know, the, the, the Rust Belt of the United States. There are a lot of places that have been contaminated by commercial activity. 
Often these commercial entities are held accountable for their contaminations, but it's really difficult to enforce the agreements that they make to clean up their pollution. And so, uh, you know, the, the Blockchain for Social Impact Coalition and the Sustainability International Group are using blockchain ledgers to track and trace and maintain accountability in environmental remediation projects. It's it's really cool. Um, sometimes even the local community performs the cleanup work to their satisfaction and then the government and the commercial companies pay and this is all enabled through smart smart contracts that run on the blockchain right payments are guaranteed because stakeholders use the blockchain as a secure payment method and compensation is able to be held in escrow securely released automatically when conditions are satisfied Using this approach, people are able to overcome the trust issues that have come from countless broken promises in agreements to clean up messes that um, a lot of commercial activities leave behind, which result in toxins in our town. So... As much as uh, the the problem of toxins in our town is uh, really, really bad right now, fortunately, there are some things that we can do to hold the organizations and the entities responsible um, for, for doing the damage that they've done. And even if they're not willing to fix it for themselves, uh, we are empowered through decent tech to uh, make sure that uh, our environment is is healthy and safe for all of us. So thank you for listening. Uh, as always, it's lovely talking to you about green tech, decent tech, decent people with decent tech can change the world, which is good because in the next installment of this podcast, we're going to talk about climate change and how it is slowly killing us. Ugh. Good thing that we end with solutions instead of promises. Good thing we end with solutions instead of just problems. Yeah? See you next time.